special episode of uncanny treks i am bob in cascadia that is matt in the southland matt how the hell are you doing tonight doing pretty well bob uh man this this film's kind of deep yeah yeah we're talking about they clone tyrone the 2023 netflix sensation uh so you enjoyed it matt yeah i mean it was it was an interesting film very thought-provoking yeah, I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it too. So I guess to start with Matt, uh, you know, obviously this is a new big piece for John Boyega. Have you seen him in anything besides the Star Wars? Not really. And I went and looked up his uh, IMBD page, and I didn't really recognize many of the movies either. So he's kind of known for Star Wars at this point. That's about it. Yeah, I think the thing he was most known for before Star Wars was that Attack the Block, which was like an indie British science fiction comedy. But I, I never saw it. Maybe, maybe that's something we should go back to at some point. That might be, might be interesting. Yeah. And then I, after Star Wars, he played a cop in an English TV movie. It's in the Small Axe series, and he did a really good job in that. I, I liked him as the cop, you know, as much as one can like a cop. But uh, it's, you know, it's nice to see him play a drug dealer here. I want to go and say too, Bob, before watching this film, I made the mistake of trying to restart The Wire. So <laughs> a lot of the plots from The Wire, and then for some reason, some of the plots at the beginning of this kind of crossed over so it, it bothered me <laughs> i'm sorry matt i'm sorry you should you should continue to work through and watch the wire because it's uh one of the greatest tv shows yeah yeah and i got my wife to, to, to watch it too so like we're gonna watch it together at least so that, that'd be nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. if i can you get got, her to watch something with me it's a lot easier for me to get through it you got you guys are getting cultured together yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh matt how are the ads in the uh in the film working on you did you see the television ad in fontaine's apartment for or john boyega's apartment and want some goddamn fried chicken no bob but the giant ass billboard of a white man saying united in unity <laughs> that that did work for you that did work for me bob right at the very beginning of the of the, show, the movie <laughs> now, so we have, uh, you know, John Boyega as Fontaine going to shake down a pimp uh, played by Jamie Foxx who owes him money. And we also meet uh, Tayona Paris, who is a, in a great performance as a sex worker, at least until she started talking about blockchain. And, uh, you know, she's smart enough to know that cryptocurrency was a bubble, unlike some people I know. But uh, she still. Hey, hey, I knew it was a bubble. I sold. I sold when it was high. So uh, yeah, fuck you. I knew what I was supposed to do. I didn't I, diamond hands or whatever the hell they were talking about. I mean, I, it's very interesting that you thought that was a dig at you, Matt. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you have uh, some residual guilt about uh, about undercutting some diamond-handed suckers. Is that what I'm Bitch, hearing? I sold my Star Trek NFT already. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> i i will say like you know matt I, I i'm a communist and so i'm supposed to like sympathize with people who get screwed out of things in financial transactions <laughs> even even when they should have known better but i i gotta say in a weird way nothing has been a better advertisement for capitalism for me as a communist than watching uh cryptocurrency bros and nft bros lose all their money sometimes lose their family savings lose their oh yeah lose their family Everyone homes because it's yeah and it's like no i'm sorry you deserve that you deserve that you're an idiot 
I mean, it was pretty clear. That's what I got out. I was like, this is like not okay. Like you could tell if this hoe yeah. Tiana could figure it out too. I mean, come on. Hey man, uh, sex workers have to be smart business people. You are right. <laughs> I know. See. Have you seen uh, Have you seen Tiana Paris in anything besides her playing Monica Rambeau in the MCU? That's it. That's all I really know her as. Okay, yeah, she's a uh, she's Don Draper's secretary on Mad Men, and she's oh, great okay. at it. And it's it's also a source of humor because she's Dawn, and so that you know you get a little bit of Dawn Dawn humor in that show. Oh but yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Gotcha. Yeah she yeah no, it's a it's a it's a great role. It's a not a hugely prominent role, but she does get some really interesting uh, material. And then, uh, Matt, what did you think about our guy, Jamie Foxx, playing the pimp? Okay, so his role as this pimp was, there was comic relief, yes, but it was just enough. That's why you get Jamie Foxx to act in these kind of films. He knows when to, to hold back and when to let the comedy flow. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. I, I also love that, like, as soon as Boyega comes into the motel room, Jamie Foxx starts gaslighting oh, yeah. him. It's just, like, classic pimp strategy. That's, what, great that's what pimps do. Yeah, you, you got to. You got to. Yeah. As uh, There's a line of dialogue in the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where a pimp is explaining to Brad Pitt. It's like, if she ever thinks about her situation – Honestly, for five minutes, she will kill you. And so it's your your job to keep her confused that entire time. Sage advice. <laughs> what what else have you seen Jamie Foxx in uh, besides? I, I know you've seen him as Electro, Matt. I know you've seen, seen him as every. tons of stuff, Bob. He was like freaking. He was all over the place in the nineties. He was on a Living Color. He was. He was. Yeah. He was on. Uh, he had the Jamie Foxx show. Was that a variety show or a sitcom? Sitcom. Okay. He did that. He he on that show though. He uh, he carried over some of his characters from *A Living Color*. I think, like that uh, woman he like dressed up as and was you know. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, that that was a time. That was that a was time. a long time ago. Yeah, if you try to watch that stuff now, it's a little weird, but it uh doesn't really stand the test of time. Yeah, I mean obviously uh, *Django Unchained*. Yeah, yeah, *Django Unchained*. One of my favorite. I uh, I told you the story about my uh, my friend seeing uh, *Django Unchained* in in Clarksdale, Mississippi. No, uh-uh. you remember the scene in Django Unchained where Django has like his guns on uh, on the white family, and he tells the uh, he tells the black uh, house slaves, uh, "Say good night to Miss Laura now," and <laughs> yeah, what, and they're like, "Good night, Miss Laura," and then he shoots her. <laughs> when he does that in the movie, this white woman in the theater that was I think about half white, half black that uh, my boy was in in Clarksdale stands up and yells at the screen, but she didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> wow, that's all. Wow, that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know what to say to that, Bob. Yeah, it's he a great was also story. he also played Ray Charles in the movie Ray. Yeah, he got he got an uh, an Oscar for that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was in a uh, Annie as the. Oh, uh, I, for, I forgot about it. Was he the millionaire, Daddy Warbucks, or whatever? Yes, his Daddy Warbucks. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, another role I really like for him, although pro- if I'm being honest, Django would probably have to be my favorite. But he's uh, Max, who's like the cab driver who gets kind of caught up with Tom Cruise in the Michael Mann movie Collateral, which is a very strong movie. So were you uh, surprised when we have uh, John Boyega as Fontaine get shot in the parking lot of the motel and then we have him uh, wake up uh, still alive the next day? Yeah, and then I was like, okay, this sounds like a, this, looks, this seems like an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it yeah it did it did start to get that vibe at that point and i also wanted to ask like do you have any thoughts about this trope of having like extra lives in narratives like groundhog day might be like the earliest but I know that movie Edge of Tomorrow does it. Obviously, the current status quo of the X-Men with the resurrection protocols does that. This does that. Any thoughts on the, the video game trope of extra lives and movies and such? It's starting to be oversaturated, I think, because we have a lot of other movies that are doing the same kind of idea. This took a little further, though. I'm thinking of like yeah. Russian Doll recently came out not too long ago. That was one of these films. And there was a did movie. You li- did you like Russian Doll? It was okay. They came up with a second season that I hadn't I haven't watched yet. Okay. I, I never watched it. Russian Doll. I heard kind of mixed things. Some yeah, good, some nothing, some more mixed. It's nothing great. But yeah, there's been a, and there was another film to about. There's another Amazon show that I'm trying to remember. What, I can't remember what it was called. It was all done was in it, animation. Oh, it was animated. Okay, not the one. Yes, I was and it of. was uh, it did it followed the same sort of idea of being able to go back and relive the same time frame. I, I think it's fun to watch. I think it's to see some of the same things being done differently. I think people like that because they can, because a lot deep down, a lot of people want to be able to see like, okay, if I would have done it this way, what would have happened? If I would have done it this way, what would have happened? You know, that's a cool thing. But this too yeah. also is pulling back with the whole simulation theory and that, you know, everyone's lives are being like controlled by something else and we're not, we're just living in this simulation. Of yeah. Is real. Yeah. And it definitely with the They Clone Tyrone, like you say, they're doing it in a bit of a different direction than like your Edge of Tomorrow's or your Groundhog Day's or your Matrix's do with it. Also that the uh, Nolan film where they clone oh, the... Uh, uh, not Tenet or a different one? No. Uh, Inception? The, the Prestige. Prestige, yeah. That reminds, it reminded me a little bit of that too. Yeah, yeah. So, Yeah, fair, fair. Matt, what'd you uh, make of uh, They Clone Tyrone's constant refrain about that, quote, bitch Nancy Drew, unquote? I mean, I kind of thought it was it was pretty true, you know? They were, they were making reference to everything seems really scary at the beginning because you don't understand what's happening, but then by the end you do. And I feel mm-hmm. like that was a whole, uh, it was kind of just relating to the film itself. Like, okay, you're not going to understand everything that's going on at first. You will by the end. Uh, I watched this with a bunch of friends because it seemed like the type of movie to watch with a bunch of friends. Yeah. And we were, I think that, I think because it's especially uh, Tayona Paris is leaning into talking about Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was some of the funniest stuff. Like it that, was that yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the Kate Beaton um, cartoons about Nancy, like not cartoons, the Kate Beaton web comics about Nancy Drew? No. You should Google those. They're very funny. They're very short. They're just like a couple panel gags, but they're, they're very funny. I mean, are they serious or is it more like a, a funny? Like, no, it's very much it's like making fun of itself. It's making Nancy Drew uh, look very creepy and psychotic. It's very, uh, it's very gotcha. nice. Okay, yeah. I'll check this. <laughs> and then what did you think of all the other overt movie references? Like, I think the two that kept coming up were Bloodsport starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Hollow Man starring Kevin Bacon. Yeah, the Hollow Man one came up way too often. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's referencing a really... Like, I mean, I guess Hollow Man's not obscure, but still, because it is a Kevin Bacon movie, but... Yeah. It's like... It's, it, was, it was an interesting thing to like to pick to resurrect, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then here my ass is thinking Bloodsport. I was thinking of, like, that's not Rambo. That's a different film. That's, uh... Yeah, that's... What's that? Blood... It's it's Blood... <laughs> First Blood, First Blood. First Blood, sorry. Yeah. I was getting, when you put Bloodsport, I was thinking of First Blood. Yeah, and it's interesting because, yeah, like you say, I think Hollow Man somewhat plays into, like, the themes and genre of the movie, but 
Bloodsport is more random and more just nostalgia based. Right? I mean, really, all Hollow Man has, though, I've seen that film, I think, twice probably. The only real connection I can make there is that they have an underground laboratory where they're. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, did, I didn't know that. That actually makes the reference make more sense. I was just thinking more like kind of like sci fi horror that social commentary was what I was thinking the connection was. No, no, okay. Well, no, the whole thing is like that he's the invisible man and he only, there's only one elevator he can take to get out mm. of the lab. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, of, of Paul Verhoeven's four science fiction films, probably the least <laughs> of them, yeah, I, from what I understand. I haven't actually seen it, but I've... It's one of those other, that like comes on yeah. TV sometimes. And you're just like, oh, I got nothing else to watch. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it, since I'm quizzing you, Matt, do you know what the other three Paul Verhoeven science fiction films are? Not a clue, Bob. Uh, Robocop, Starship Troopers, Total Recall. Oh, Robocop's the best. Total I, Recall I, I would... would be second best. Oh, then... no. Then Starship when was the Troopers. Time, when was the then, last time you watched Starship Troopers? I hadn't watched it in a while. Do I need to go back and do it? It's we, maybe we should do it sometime. It's it's a hoot, man. It's a hoot. It's, it's I, better I ta- as you're older. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the whole like I, I don't think we knew this in the '90s because we were dumb. But the whole thing is like a satire. Oh, okay. Um, it's really it's really because the the original novel from the '50s is like super fash. It's very fascist. And the, the Paul Verhoeven, you know, was like a child during like the Nazi occupation of uh, the Netherlands. And so like really lean, leans into like the kind of, you know, satirizing like the fascism of the novel in the movie. It's great. Yeah, I'll have to get a shot there because I, those other films though, Robocop's one of my favorite films, even though it's stupid. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree with you. Robocop's a good a good film. It would be my number two. And then I probably need to give Total Recall another chance. Like I don't dislike it, but it just never landed for me as well as the other two. All right, Matt. So uh, the last movie reference I think I wanted to work through. I really did love the the scale of Denzel Washington that I think uh, Jamie Fox introduces in this movie, where it's like, you know, if you're talking about good Denzel Washington, you're talking about Training Day, and if you're talking about bad Denzel Washington, you're talking about Book of Eli. Book of Eli, yeah. <laughs> Which I only seen Denzel Washington films. Uh, man, it, that one hits especially well for me because Book of Eli is one of my dad's favorites. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he loves it. Uh, I love my old man, but, you know, come on. <laughs> oh, another another uh, Denzel movie we should watch sometime is Devil in a Blue Dress. I just taught that this week. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. So, Matt, uh, with my friends and I were watching this, we definitely expected there to be a revelation of some evil white man behind the whole thing. But uh, none of us, you know, we were hoping it would be somebody famous, but no, none of us predicted it was uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Did you have any uh, any predictions while you were watching this about who's running the show? No, but they should have done like, it could have been like Colonel Sanders or something with the chicken. Yeah, Colonel Sanders would have been a good choice. Would have been a good choice. Did you have a favorite major character or major performance of this movie? Yeah, I'm going to go with Fontaine was my favorite uh, character that Budega Bo- played. Boudega. John Boyega. 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 Yeah. Boyega played, not Bottega. Boyega. Boyega yeah, played. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to have to go with Jamie Foxx. I mean, John Boyega does a good job, but it's also, in some ways, it's a more restrained performance, right? Whereas, like, Jamie Foxx just gets to be, you know, hysterical and manic in a lot of different scenes. Definitely, he got, I think, the biggest laughs from us in the room. And then, Matt, did you have a favorite minor character performance in the film? My favorite minor character, Bob, will be Tyrone, because I thought he was going to be the major character, but he's not. (laughs) 
Man, so you're giving it all to John Boyega. He gets yeah, major John character John. and he gets minor Bob, character. John Boyega played four characters in this film. It's like... <laughs> I know, Matt. I know. I know. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to... The actor's name is Leon Lamar, and he played Frog, the old wino who was sitting outside of the convenience store who Fontaine kept uh, giving a little bit of malt liquor to. I, I enjoyed Frog. He was a fun guy. And then I, I do want to give it up to... Tayona Paris, too. She she was great and deserves more acknowledgement. I hope I hope between this movie and being in the MCU, she has a you know a strong career for the next ten years or so. All oh. right, Matt. So we we already know you like John Boyega, but I'm gonna make you choose of the four John Boyega performances in this movie, which is to say he's Fontaine, he's old Fontaine, he's the heavy Chester, and then he's Tyrone at the very end. What was your favorite John Boyega role? Uh, I'm gonna go with Fontaine, Bob. All right, going to go with Fontaine. Going to go with his basic, the basic bitch role, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Chester because I that was, I think, the first alternative John Boyega performance we got, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Matt, did you have a favorite silly line of the movie? They say curiosity killed the cat, and I'm telling you right now, we some motherfucking cats. We cool cats, <laughs> but we still cats. <laughs> Is that Jamie Foxx? Yes. Nice, nice. I'm also going to give it to Jamie Foxx uh, for that line he says to the light-skinned John. That ain't Michelle. She ain't for you. <laughs> so, Matt, did you have a favorite visual from the movie? My favorite visual is when the uh, they find the secret elevator because it reminded me of the old-school Batman 60s thing. Oh, nice, nice. It, and I, I, I was thinking about going with that shot, which I think might be the most signature shot of, you know, the three Boyega, Paris and Fox all in the elevator going down and it just stays on them forever. That's a great shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good shot. I, I really love, um, so, you know, we already talked about the light skinned scientist and, uh, Jamie Fox, uh, you know, shoots him and then he's making these frantic hand gestures to Tayona Paris after he shoots the scientist. I really like that. All right, Bob. Now we get into the regrets portion of the, the podcast, where yeah, I I enjoyed this film. I thought it had a very you know powerful, thought provoking message. But anytime anything like this happens in a film, I always question the logistics. Mm. <laughs> Does seem very logistically complicated. Yes, and there's no way they were going to explain that in this film because it was already two hours long. So <laughs> like I, I but I just didn't understand how they were able to keep all this under wraps without you know yeah other yeah things happening or other things influencing it the whole you know basically keeping an entire neighborhood within itself <laughs> and cloning the same people over and over again yeah i i had kind of two regrets one of them that was that i felt like the film was a little on the long side like i feel like they could have cut some stuff and it would have been a tighter funner movie for that yeah and then, and you know, I think that kind of it maybe overstayed its welcome a little bit. That w that wearied the humor a little bit. And then I also wish they had like, I, you know, it was a neat reveal that like old Fontaine, old John Boyega is the actual big bad, not Kiefer Sutherland. But I just thought his like plan was not very well thought out. I mean, obviously, this film is like social commentary about you know, what it's like to be poor and black in the U.S., how, how ghettos are treated and isolated, deprived of resources. And, you know, I totally, I totally get that. I think it's a good message for a movie. I like that a lot. But the whole thing about, like, oh, well, we're just going to make, like, 
we're just going to make uh, black people into white people. It's like, uh, I mean, you know, like if you look at like Poland or sorry, if you look at England, right, Polish and other Eastern European workers come over to England and they get treated in a racist way, right? And these are very white, very blonde-skinned people, but they're just poor. I'm not saying that they're treated the same or as badly as African-Americans have, you know, are treated and have been historically treated in the U.S., but I'm just saying, like, humans are good at making up distinctions, especially when there's vast amounts of wealth inequality. And even if uh, even if black skin goes away, there's other ways in which we're going to stigmatize and discriminate against people, unfortunately. So I don't know. I just kind of wish that there'd been maybe a, a slightly different angle to Old Fontaine's plan. Does that make sense? It does make sense, Bob. And until we all live in a social society, which you have envisioned for us, <laughs> it, will, it will remain that way. <laughs> any, any ideas for a sequel, Matt? Uh, well, I mean, they kind of set up for a sequel with Tyrone at the end. However, I hope they just leave it at that. I really don't want to see a sequel to this. But if they were going yeah. to go with one, I'm assuming Tyrone would try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's probably good advice. It, since it was a movie that went on a little too long, it probably doesn't need a sequel. That said, I would love other movies like this that are either tributes to like the 70s black exploitation style or that are kind of tribute tributes to that kind of like '90s like hood movie genre, you know, of like Friday and um, Next Friday and Devil in a Blue Dress, Rage in Harlem, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I I I, I guess I'd hope for follow ups more than sequels, you know. Right, and uh, I want to go back for just a moment and talk a second about other films and movies. One thing I did not mention earlier: Westworld. I know you're not a huge fan of it, but damn, this is a lot like Westworld. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, yeah. the more I look at it, because we're, we're going to talk about black exploitation films in a second, and I was just thinking, you know, if I had to pick a film that would probably fit as a sequel to this, it would probably be Westworld, where they take the uh, what they tried to start here and turn it into a theme park or attraction. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I, I watched the pilot of the Westworld TV show and was just kind of a little bored by it. Yeah. I do like the 70s movie Westworld a lot, though. And have you ever seen the sequel to the 70s movie Westworld? Uh, Future, Future World, is that what it's called? Future World, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, a, not as good, but also fun. Yeah. They're both, I mean, it's all, to me, it was all fun, except I will say that the Westworld, the series, I feel like it moved into the territory the sequel's trying to go with, where they find out they're in it. Now what do they do? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, okay... <laughs> Do you remember the before Westworld got canceled? Do you remember the rumors that were floating around that was like, "Oh no, they're going to reveal that Game of Thrones is the medieval world." Right? Yeah, they were trying to pick all the different uh, like HBO shows to put in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a Wired World. There's a Wired World. Yeah, there's Sopranos a, World. Yeah, Sopranos. Yeah. Um, what's Larry David's show? Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Enthusiasm yeah. World. <laughs> Nice, nice. All right, Matt. Do you have a favorite black exploitation film? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Blackula, starring William Marshall. Oh, Blackula Marshall. is a good choice. Although yeah. you really should go with the sequel, Scream, Blackula, Scream. Yeah, because oh, yeah. It, it has Pam Greer as a voodoo queen and is a better movie than Blackula. <laughs> um, I'm also gonna go with a Pam Greer choice, uh, which is her as a vigilante in Coffee. Uh, great movie, great movie. All right, Matt. This has been uh, They Clone Tyrone for Uncanny Treks. Any final thoughts? I think we're good, Bob. Uh, enjoyed the film. Worth a watch. 
I mean, like I said, if you like Black Mirror, it's really like an extended, much more thought out version of a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> and I would say much better. Uh, yeah. I've seen three <laughs> Black Mirror episodes, and that was three too many, Matt. Three <laughs> too many. Um, all right. Thanks for joining us for They Clone Tyrone. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>